0: What can you do to improve your writing and build your network as a part of it? As a creative and professional writer, my time post-college graduation was just that, difficult to keep an upward learning curve that honed my craft and connected me with others in the field. So today, join me on a quest to connect writers to the experiences they need, with top authors, editors, and publishers ready to share their methods for success. Become a part of a new, elevated selection for publishers, and debunk the myth that while writing is a solo act, being a writer is not always solitary am I right? Hey there, word wizards. Welcome to another episode of Am I Right? I'm very excited because this is episode 20, believe it or not, and a lot of people that I've talked to um, have not even realized how quickly this show has grown and how many additional followers that we've had and excellent writers that we've had come on, and today's guest is no exception. We've got Heather Carter on, and she is a fantasy author and also she is both indie and traditional publishing interested which we'll talk about later. She also is really awesome about including neurodiversity in her books which I think is a topic that we need to talk about more often. Um so without further ado, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, Heather. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. And I have to apologize to Um, Those who may be listening, I do sound a little froggy today. I'm getting over a cold. Both me and Heather, even though we are states away from each other, have been hanging out in the cold weather, (laughs) and it's definitely (laughs) affected me, so you'll have to forgive me for that. Um, Anyway, so we're going to read her bio, um, and then I'll give her a chance to talk to you guys about herself. So Heather Carter is an independent fiction author who writes primarily adult fantasy and fantasy romance. Avid writer since childhood, she has released two fantasy novels and has been featured in multiple anthologies, with more releases coming down the pipeline. Heather calls the St. Louis area home and lives with her husband, two children, and one extremely spoiled cat, What Writer Doesn't? And when she's not writing, she loves to read fantasy novels, make music, and drinks way too much coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So that is a fabulous introduction, and I'm going to give you a chance if there's anything you want to add about kind of what's coming up and, and where you're at in life and writing right now, go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience. Well,
1: hello, Um, I'm Heather, (laughs) and uh, I am born and raised in the Midwest. I uh, have been writing since I was a little girl, really. Um, I was always an avid reader, and then I would get bored with the endings of books. And so uh, I started writing my own. And the same with movies. I get bored with the end of movies or I disagreed haughtily with them. And so I started, (laughs) that spawned me to start writing my own books. And uh, I thought, you know what? I can make a better story. (laughs) So (laughs) I was a stubborn little girl and that's how I started writing. And it's just kind of been going ever since, you know, that daydream Mm -hmm. aspect is, it's got to get on the page. So
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome that you uh, found that challenge come to you so early on in your in your writing career, and I don't think you're the only one. Do you ever find yourself? This is something that I get in trouble with in my family. Is I'll predict plot points before they happen, and they're like, "Shut up! Don't talk about this plot. I just want to read. I just want to watch the show, or I just want to read the book." And I think that's because so, we're always thinking about it. You know, we're always yeah. Analyzing what's going to come next, and oh, that's kind of predictable. Or oh, that was a good plot twist, and I get in trouble for that all the time. So you're not the only one that's you know <laughs> thought about that before. It's awesome, and I I'm very excited to talk about your uh your genre of of choice. I guess your forte currently right now because that's yeah. one of the things I will hold out for the romance, and I will hold out for fantasy worlds. I think? Yes, it's because I'm a natural escapist. I know lots of people read. Um, for other reasons, which is great I think there's multiple reasons for you to read in different genres, but for me escaping has always been a really important factor of my childhood and I think it is for a lot of people including you it sounds like and uh, so it's a noble calling. Um, so I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about um, first off we like to to kind of dive into publishing a little bit. I know it's different for every author, but you have had an indie publishing journey and you're also you know very open to to the traditional publishing method kind of Mm -hmm. liked it. I mean, you originally planned to have both happening. I mean, things have changed a little bit, but um, can you explain briefly kind of the different opportunities that maybe indie publishing has brought to you rather than that traditional way? Like what, what about indie has appealed to you? Um, What I like about
1: indie publishing is the amount of control that you have. Um, There's um, in the traditional publishing world, you do trade off some of that, uh, creative control at times, you know, it depends on, you know, the publisher and everything, but with Indie, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, you know, you're doing it yourself, but at the same time, you know, um, it's completely your vision, you know, it's, it's on you, but it is you. Mm -hmm. So uh, I do like that aspect, you know, I can hire uh, my own cover designer whom I absolutely adore and um, we can work directly with each other and um, kind of bring it visually to life on the cover. And, you know, I get to hire my own editor and things like that. So I guess Mm -hmm. the control aspect.
0: Right. And I think, we do have a lot of listeners who are less familiar with this um who you know who aren't maybe traditional writers and and to make it clear you you give away a lot maybe more than 60% of your creative rights as you <laughs> sign on a traditional publishing contract because they have to do the marketing right and if you're doing indie you have to do that yourself so that i mean it is a yeah. toss up right but but that freedom to even pick your own cover artist is like unheard of in the traditional publishing industry so how fun mm-hmm. to like get to be a part of that and to get to kind of get vet that through and give that your own um twist and, and make sure that it kind of is in is in tandem with your creative vision for the book um and and the freedom i like that you mentioned the freedom because i think a lot of people are frightened of that um because they don't know what they're doing um and i i would ask if you have any kind of advice for those who or thinking about taking that that indie route and, and is, is there anything that you've learned from like marketing your own book that has been an unsuspected challenge or something that you have picked up over the years?
1: Um, I would say it really is a lot of um there's a learning curve to it whenever it comes to marketing. Marketing itself is a beast. Um, and today the primary um marketing tool is social media. Um there's, you know, algorithms at play and everything. And a lot of it's, you know, mysterious, <laughs> mysterious <laughs> numbers that we don't necessarily understand. But uh, having a social media presence um goes a long way for uh marketing your book. Mm-hmm. Um and so what you'll want to do is definitely get that established um as soon as you can Mm. but that's a huge help
0: yeah yeah the i love that you said it's a beast because that's a great way to just summarize (laughs) kind of all that you have to put into it the journey is definitely not over once you've published it right it's only just begun so thank you for breaking that down because i think indie is way less taboo than it used to be in the past and I think it's offered a lot of opportunities to authors that um didn't come the other you know the other route so Mm -hmm. with that you have a couple of indie published books can you tell us about them that have been published and what us a little premise a little teaser
1: yeah um well the first one is of songs in saltwater that is my gender swap little mermaid retelling um, instead of and it's for adults. Like I write adult fantasy romance. Just as a disclaimer, <laughs> um, but it's involves a merman who's in love with a human woman, and uh, he he does the whole you know trades us fin for legs and everything with uh, the sea sorceress. But um, the book is actually very musical. He doesn't lose his voice. And he has, you know, beautiful gift that he is ashamed of because in their world, um, he's a siren and siren music can harm humans. So he's ashamed of this gift because he doesn't want to hurt humans and he's in love with this woman. So um, the book has songs in it. Um, The characters sing and they play instruments. And so it's a very musical experience. Mm -hmm. And that kind of weaves its way into the book and with the romance. And my second novel that I have out is The Third Veil. Now, this is a book that I wrote a few years ago. Um, I wrote a lot during uh, the pandemic lockdown, Um, (laughs) as I'm sure a lot of people did. Uh But this book is um, something that I actually wrote during a time of... um, a lot of trauma. So this book is very symbolic of overcoming um, trauma and overcoming um, obstacles whenever you have um, panic attacks and an anxiety disorder, things like that. And it's about a young woman in the Victorian era who has to go through a portal to another magical land to save the earth from these um, giant death machines that are hanging in the sky. And there's this evil queen and um, evil prince who have sent these machines to drain the earth of the energy so that they can fuel their power and make their land lush and everything. And so she has to go stop them in order to save the earth. And um, she's aided by a handsome ally um, you know naturally, <laughs> naturally. <laughs> and i won't
0: spoil too much from there but that one's called the wow. third Bale. that's fun it's like a kind of a spin on fantasy with a little bit of i don't want to say sci-fi elements but these machines that's going to be fun that's a good crossover yeah. there's yeah.
1: sci-fi and there's uh some
0: horror elements in it so so a mix of everything fun yeah sure it's all fun <laughs> and this is, I mean, we don't want to delve too much in the history of this, but but uh, Heather had this book deal um, recently that kind of the, the publisher closed its doors and, and she had to pivot. And I just wanted to ask if you would kind of explain that experience a little bit briefly. I think it's good for those listening to see that it isn't all roses for those who are published (laughs) I mean I know you 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 know that inherently but do you really know it until it's happening to you you know um and so just I mean if you'll just give us a brief bio we'll go after we'll go from there but
1: yeah um I have another book called the mountain king which um is a labyrinth inspired book And it actually got signed on with the small press as a three book series, um, because I had been querying and I wanted to go for traditional publishing. And it was due to be published um, this uh, July, 2023. And I got notification um, a week or so ago that the publisher was closing their doors. And, um, which is always really devastating news whenever you're an author, especially since the book was already in pre-sale and everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it's, it's discouraging, but, you know, I, I got my rights back and I'm back in the query trenches and, (laughs) um, querying agents and publishers and going through the process again. Mm -hmm. So um, it'll find a new home. <laughs>
0: I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And I appreciate you sharing that, especially where it's more recently that it's happened. Um, This stuff does happen, though. And the publishing world is pretty fluid, right? There's a lot of changes in the market. There's things going on behind the scenes that people don't typically know about. And I just love that you jumped back into the trenches, like you said, and it wasn't something that you waited a long time to get back into because you know that it's good. You know that it's a three book <laughs> trilogy, right? And you've published books before, and and you this is what you love to do. And I, I just think that's so inspiring that you continue to to go into the trenches. And so with that, I wanted to ask um, if you had any advice to those who are you kind know, of starting out with that first manuscript on the publishing journey. They've entered the trenches. They don't really know what they're doing yet. <laughs> uh, is there anything you wish you had discovered sooner about writing and and publishing and querying? Patience
1: um be prepared for a lot of rejection and you know make sure that you kind of guard your heart a little bit because statistically speaking you're gonna get a lot of rejection because not every book is for everybody even though an agent or a publisher might take you know your genre or whatever it could just be that's not what's you know Appropriate for their list right now, or they have another manuscript that's too similar. Um, So you got to be prepared and uh, make sure you keep a good spreadsheet with all of your information on. I track on Query Tracker as well, which is an amazing program. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, it's a website, but um, make sure you keep a spreadsheet, a color coded spreadsheet is, you know, the best way to go, I found.
0: Mm. And so just hang in there. That's a good idea. I think I'm a little old fashioned. I've got a notebook that I write out to the agents and the publishers that I've kind of contacted, and it, I mean it works because you go back through and cross it out. Yeah, um, but it was. It, I mean, I think I'm I'm spending extra time right writing that down and, instead of typing it. So that's a good idea to do it in there. And wh- with this crazy change in your in your plans for 2023, I mean, there had to have been at least a little part of of the dark night of the soul, right? The sting of, uh, ah, man, like I made it and now I got to work again. And, and is there something that you do between querying and getting all these rejections? And thank you for that advice, by the way, it's great. Patience is definitely something that you have to have if you're going to query. Um, is there anything that you do that reminds you why you're doing this, why you love what you do?
1: reading back through um like my alpha and beta reader comments on the manuscript mm-hmm. um is helpful reminding myself that um this story means a lot to me for a reason and then like i've got like a theme song for it and everything like for this particular one and mm-hmm. like a short youtube playlist or whatever and i'll listen to the song while I'm querying, because it inspires the fact that, you know, the book is
0: meaningful. Oh, that's so good. That's so poignant. Yeah, that's beautiful. I should, we should look into that with my manuscript. You're <laughs> giving me all kinds of ideas on this episode. I'm glad that it's helpful to me. Hopefully it's helpful to the listeners too. And uh, that's awesome. That's a good idea to kind of remind yourself while you're querying, because it's, I mean, it takes time. It's hours per per email sometimes, depending on yeah how much research you got to do, and and then you wait eight weeks, and then you don't get a response sometimes, and and so I know that it can be tough, but I I love that you do that to remind yourself. And the beta reading is a great idea. Beta readers are so helpful, and yes. you have to pick people you can trust. But I, it's definitely something you should consider if you haven't done it yet. To those who are listening, mm-hmm. so. Um, I want to kind of switch over, switch topics a little bit here and talk about including neurodiversity in your stories. Um, you have autism and ADHD, if I'm correct. And yes, um, they've, they've brought you unique advantages and challenges when it comes to writing and editing, I'm sure. And uh, especially in a fantasy novel, trying to put in all these elements you I mean you've got fantasy you've got sci-fi you've got horror and then also trying to include <laughs> diversity in a way that that kind of is cohesive I mean wh- how do you do that What why do you think it's important give us a little background on that well whenever I
1: write um I write with my experiences um and so my characters always end up with some of those traits peppered in. Not necessarily um, saying, oh, I'm this or that. But um, especially in the third veil, I really um, made an effort to include, you know, what like a meltdown or panic attack looks like. Mm. Um, kind of that uh, feeling of loss of control. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's something that I ripped from my own experiences, um, and being neurodiverse myself or neurodivergent, um, it presents unique challenges whenever it comes to writing, because you also want to make, um, characters and, um, situations and stuff that other people can understand and relate to as well so um it's it presents a challenge but it's also a blessing Mm. you know because Uh, it's my brain on a page
0: (laughs) well i i mean isn't it our job to write what we know i think if you don't write what you know it's not going to be believable right and i think it's really cool that you use that as something that they push through rather than have it be the problem you know like oh i have i have this panic attack and stuff so so that's it you know like i can't do this it's it's more shows i think it adds to the character arc and i think it makes it more relatable to a lot of people especially in today's world i think mental illness has been um something that we've been a lot more open about and and things that things like these panic attacks are a lot different than a lot of people expect so i think it's so Awesome that you put that in there. And it's, and in a fantasy novel. Like it doesn't have to be a modern day perfect recollection of the world, right? You can put it in these these different plots. And in a way, I think fantasy that's interesting to to kind of put those two together. So mm-hmm. that's really cool that you that you pull up from your own experience. Um, especially when it can be kind of raw and hard to Yeah explain <laughs> these things that have happened to you, right? So Oh man, I I feel like I've gotten a lot of wisdom from you already, and I'm I'm so happy that you have come on as we're as we're wrapping up. Um, I like to ask on the show if there is a trait or a tendency that you've seen in colleagues or developed had to develop yourself as a writer that you think makes a writer more successful, maybe than some of the others around them.
1: I would say um, patience with yourself. Um. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to write a messy draft. Um, don't because sometimes that can be demoralizing. Whenever you know you you've written something and you think it's great, and then you either go back and read through it or you send it to like an alpha or beta reader, and it's chock full of plot holes and problems. And, uh, it can make you want to just throw up your hands and quit. But, um, if you're patient with yourself and you realize, okay, I'm not perfect, but I'm growing my craft. Um, I'm growing, constantly growing as a writer and you just sit with the process and realize that it's a marathon, not a sprint, um, that will help you go further. You know, and the people that I've seen who have made it have, you know, gone up that mountain and uh, just learned how to be patient
0: with themselves. You're telling me it's always a mountain? You don't, you didn't just skip <laughs> to the top and that was it for you? Wow. <laughs> it wasn't a roller coaster. <laughs> you need an emotional roller coaster, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of
0: that's so good. Thank you. That's perfect advice and something that I need to remember more often too. So uh, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm so grateful that you took the time to come and talk to us. And we are in anticipation of The Mountain King whenever it is released. We're excited to see um, what's coming with that. And I would highly encourage you to to look at the show notes, those of you that are listening and take a look at her books. They're, they're just so fun. And, and I think you'll really enjoy the journey that she takes you on. So thank you for coming on, Heather. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And um, if if this episode has taught us anything, it's to keep keep working, keep writing. So I'm gonna sign off for all listening with our with our usual sign off, which is right on. Can you see ways to improve your writing process already? Thanks for joining us on this excellent episode of Am I Right? For more information about the podcast, guests, or upcoming episodes, follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Right on, Word Wizards.